Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will continue with our series of investing in China conversations and turn our focus to the bond markets. My guests will walk us through the scope and scale and how Chinese bond markets are structured along with how global investors can go about participating. So joining me here on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome Brennan Azevedo, Emerging Market Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Brennan, good morning to you. Thank you for spending some time with us and looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Really looking forward to talking about this timely subject. Absolutely. And Brennan, just to level set it with our clients, our listeners, I know yesterday we caught up with Jing Chen Yu, your colleague about the Chinese equity markets, and this has been an ongoing series of conversations tied to CIOs investing in China publications. So looking forward to diving into the Chinese bond markets with you today. Similar question to what I asked Jing Chen about the Chinese equity markets yesterday, just to start things off might be helpful in this context if you can walk our listeners, our clients, Brennan, through how big the China bond market is. Yeah, definitely. So um, similar to the equity market in China, the Chinese bond market has become too big to ignore in our view. Uh, since 2010, uh, it has grown fivefold and now stands at $16 trillion, and, um, which is only second to the U.S. bond market uh, that stands at $45 trillion. Uh, in our view, um, this expansion has further room to grow. Um, so we, we, we thought that this piece, um, was, was pretty timely. Um, in terms of why we think, um, the, the China bond market is, is relevant also is because, um, <clears throat> the, the, the yield pickup that Chinese bonds offer is, is, is pretty compelling. Um, and for example, uh, U.S. Treasuries, um, 10 year U.S. Treasuries offer a, a yield pickup of 185 basis points relative to the 10 year Chinese government bond, more commonly known as GGBs. Um, so a, a meaningful yield pickup there. Um, and in the world of very low interest rates, the yield pickup, um, should be attractive for, for global investors. And then also, um, Chinese bonds also share a similar, similarly important attribute, um, compared to, to equities of, of, of a low correlation to global bonds. Um, and that's because of China's domestically oriented monetary policy and economic cycle, um, and how, how and how it generally tends to, to be a little bit different than than, than the, the developed markets like the U.S. and and, the, and, and Europe. Um, so the low correlation means that the, that that Chinese bonds can provide diversification benefits in the global portfolio context, um, which which can increase uh, expected return and also offer. Yes, yeah, so China's bond market quite sizable, Brennan, as you put some numbers around it, and well put, it being too big to ignore. So as a follow-up, can you spend a few moments walking us through the structure of China's bond markets? Yeah, um, so the complexity of China's bond markets, I think, can be simplified by breaking down by uh, where bonds are offered and what currencies they're denominated in. Um, the onshore bond market, for example, is comprised of Chinese entities issued in CNY, um, and then it accounts for over 95% of the entire bond, bond market. Um, the, the government bonds, uh, are the largest segment of the onshore bond market, and they can be divided into, into Chinese government bonds, the CGBs that I mentioned earlier, uh, policy bank bonds, as well as local government bonds that are more commonly referred to as LGBs. Uh, corporate bonds are, are, are 
normally issued by state-owned enterprises or SOEs, uh, as well as um, privately owned enterprises. Um, and then the remaining 5% of the Chinese bond market uh, consists mostly of, uh, of, of um, offshore bonds and nominated in U.S. dollars. And this market is roughly $600 billion in size. Uh, a large portion of these offshore bonds uh, are issued by SOEs and financial institutions uh, and are mostly composed of high-quality investment-grade issuers that are seeking to diversify their investor base. Um, and then the, the high-yield segment of this issue, of this market is mostly composed of property developers. Um, and then just to round out um, the, comp- the, the makeup of the, of the Chinese bond market, um, the, the other market segments um, are given monikers like the Din Sum bonds, which are also known as the CNH bond market and, and Panda bonds. And given the ongoing opening of the onshore market and access to, to a large investor base on the onshore market, the, the, Panda, the Panda bond market has grown to over $20 billion in recent years. And we think that's likely to continue, uh, which will most likely come at the expense of the did some or the CNH bond market. Brennan, following the onshore and offshore market discussion, which is an important one, really understanding those key differences between them both, could you spend some time with a deep dive on what has fueled Chinese bond market growth? Yeah. So the Chinese bond market has matured pretty significantly in the, over the last decade, um, which has helped bring in additional foreign investor interest. Uh, over that time, a few things happened. Um, so the the local, local authorities have allowed foreign credit agencies to step in and provide credit ratings on Chinese issuers. And this started in 2018 uh, when this started to mark a pretty important step forward as it gave foreign investors a familiar tool to size up issuer risk. Um, another positive but counterintuitive sign of China's bond market maturation is the, the rising default rates, which signals that the government is allowing the market uh, to regulate itself with less direct oversight. Uh, liquidity has also improved, uh, especially over the last four years, as seen by impressive growth in, in daily trading volume. And then lastly, um, major benchmark providers have raised their weightings to Chinese bonds, spurring global investors to increase their allocations to the asset class. Uh, these indexes are, are tracked by roughly $5 trillion U.S. dollars, a significant amount. Uh, and with a few more index inclusions slated to take place this year, uh, we estimate that there could be another $150 billion in inflows um, from foreign from foreign uh, investors that could flow into Chinese bonds. Um, <clears throat> so all told, these changes signal that the Chinese bond market was open for business uh, for global investors. Uh, and we expect that China will continue to gradually open up the bond market and address the lingering concerns about low liquidity in some market segments, uh, rating differentiation between local and, and global uh, credit rating agencies, uh, a lack of derivatives for hedging, uh, a continued lack of, of transparency, as well as capital controls to continue to open up the bond market. To that point, Brennan, open for business in context to the bond market. And I, I spoke with Jing Chen about this yesterday in context to equities, how when it comes to investor participation, avenues have been opening up. So in this context, Brennan, for global investors, how can they go about participating in China's bond markets? Yeah. So the challenge historically for global investors has been getting access to Chinese bonds. And this is a similar story to Chinese equities. Um, but this has become easier um, over the past several years as global investors have a few more options. The easiest approach is to buy one of the small but growing number of passive and active funds that mentioned the major benchmarks that I was mentioning earlier. 
for instance, U.S. dollar-denominated Chinese bonds make up roughly half of the J.P. Morgan Asia Credit Index, which is form- which is informally referred to as the Jackie Index. Um, however, the real opportunity, though, lies in the onshore market, uh, where global investors' primary primary interest is, is, in, is in, the, in the CGBs, as they're the most liquid and considered to be of high qu- credit quality, even for global investors. Um, and, and, the, and the Chinese government bonds uh, are already included in many of the world indices, which are tracked by over the $5 trillion in assets that I mentioned earlier. <clears throat> and like I said, that's set to increase over the next year, uh, the next year. Um, with, with, with Chinese bonds already making up as much as, um, seven or eight percent of these global bond indices. Um, in the report, we actually have a nice little, nice little table, um, highlighting the, um, the weight of Chinese bonds in some of these indices. So, so definitely recommend checking out and seeing, um, what products are available, um, as most of these indexes are, are tracked widely by, 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 um, by some widely held ETFs. Yep. And to that point, Brett, in those types of implementation conversations are ones our clients listening in can, of course, have with their financial advisor. But, Brett, thank you for joining us on top of the morning today and providing the helpful insights that you did into the mechanics of the Chinese bond markets, along with the considerations that global investors really need to be mindful of and some thoughts on how they can go about participating. So, very helpful insights today, Brennan. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely, Dan. Thank you. And again, today we have been joined by Brennan Azevedo, Emerging Markets Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. And that does include the blog that Brennan has been making reference to during our conversation this morning as part of the Investing in China blog series, Chinese Bonds. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about this topic. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. You can also visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS Trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.